Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. For this week's episode, I'll jump into the Week 5 rankings and give my thoughts on recommended plays at each position. But I want to highlight three guys that I mentioned last week who seem to still be overlooked. First is Kyron Williams, who had another multi-score game in Week 4. I see the same people who cautioned that he would be a sell-high after a hot start are still skeptical, but as I've said before, Williams is simply an all-around football player that's in a great role under Sean McVay. He handled 28 touches in Week 4, and there's no reason to view him as anything less than an RB1 option. This week against the Eagles might be a little tough in terms of matchup, but the stat sheet doesn't tell the story for Williams, and he's not someone I would consider selling unless you get great value back and are loaded at running back. The other backfield option that I mentioned last week that I want to highlight again is Zach Charbonnet. He again flashed his talent on Monday night, and Seattle goes into a week five bye, but Charbonnet should be picked up and stashed based on the talent. The standalone value might not be quite what you want, with Kenneth Walker playing very well and converting most of his goal line opportunities, but Charbonnet is probably the best handcuff in fantasy football this year, and he should be on all benches as a guy worth holding on to or investing in as the Seahawks head into the bye. And at wide receiver, Romeo Dobbs' own percentage on ESPN is still below 40%. I've mentioned him in the first episode this year and then talked about him again last week. He scored at least 14 fantasy points in half PPR leagues in three or four games. And like Kyron Williams, he's another example of actually watching games, watching tape, and not relying on statistics or athletic profiles because Dobbs is an excellent route runner with great natural receiving skills and he has a case for wide receiver two value the rest of the year. So now getting to week five at quarterback Tua Tagovailoa has alternated big games and disappointing games but the Giants have not looked good at all this season and I don't think they'll have answers for Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle. so Tua should be a definite top five option. We have him as our QB four especially with Miami playing at home. And on the other side of the matchup, it's unclear if Saquon Barkley will return, or more importantly, Andrew Thomas at left tackle. But Daniel Jones needs some help. The general weakness at quarterback this week, some tough matchups. And Jones being able to do damage as a runner could keep him in the low-end QB1 ranks. But as we saw on Monday night, the floor is low, and Miami should be much better defensively after allowing 48 points last week to Buffalo. So if he's available, I'd rather start someone like Jared Goff taking on the Panthers. Goff will get Jamison Williams back this week. At least he's eligible to return. We'll see if he suits up. But the Panthers aren't great on the back end. And Goff has put up big-time numbers at home over the past couple of seasons. And then a couple of guys knocking on the door for low-end QB1 value this week would be Jordan Love taking on the Raiders. Green Bay's offense should be healthier in the second game back for Christian Watson and Aaron Jones. And Love has found a way to put up fantasy points even if he doesn't play at a high level. So he's our QB 13 for this week, and you can even make a case for him moving up a couple of spots. And then as our QB 15, Sam Howell taking on the Bears on Thursday night. Chicago has been perhaps the worst defense in the league this season, and that's saying a lot considering how bad we've seen some teams perform. But both Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson got going, 
and how played very well against the Eagles. So we'll see if he can build on that and provide at least high-end QB2 value for Week 5. At running back, a couple of new names in the top 10 are David Montgomery as the RB7 and Devon Achan as the RB8. From a long-term perspective, especially in 2024 and beyond, we are still very high on Jameer Gibbs, but this is definitely Montgomery's backfield right now for the Lions. And for Achan, he's been the preferred option in the red zone in back-to-back weeks, and he seemed to overtake Raheem Moster as lead back. Moster fumbled a couple of times in week four. So Achan, as mentioned for Kyron Williams, is not at all so high based on his speed and the usage in Mike McDaniel's offense. The rookie is probably a matchup-proof option, and with how the Giants have tackled so far this year, he can have another monster day and should be in all lineups. For the rest of the running back rankings, it's pretty standard. Some guys I like a little more this week in the RB2 ranks are Brian Robinson Jr. taking on the Bears, who have not only struggled defending the pass, but also the run. Ramondre Stevenson moves down. He's our RB17. But I would like to see New England play through the running backs a bit more, as they did in their win over the Jets. And that includes in the passing game, where Stevenson might be used to offset the pass rush of New Orleans. And hanging on to a spot in the top 20, Najee Harris taking on the Ravens. I know Mike Tomlin discussed changes that would be made for Pittsburgh. He didn't really specify. But Najee has yet to find the end zone. That should change soon. And he's averaged 4.3 yards per carry despite the overall struggles for the Steelers. So I know a lot of people have been clamoring for Jalen Warren to get more work. But I think getting Harris going would be the better path to getting the offense on track. And that's what the Steelers did last year on New Year's Day with Harris handling 24 touches for 123 yards and a score in a slugfest win over the Ravens. So we'll see if he gets fed for a big game on Sunday. And to close things out at running back with Jonathan Taylor, the comments by head coach Shane Steichen with him saying Taylor will practice on Wednesday and is excited to get back with his teammates suggests that he'll suit up for the Colts, despite all the talk otherwise. So Tennessee might be a tough matchup, but Taylor should be immediately put in lineups, assuming he'll get in a full week of practice. But we'll obviously have to monitor the reports this week to see what kind of workload he might have and if he does indeed play. At wide receiver, we also have a hopeful returning star this week with Cooper Cup. Set to practice on Wednesday, hopefully avoid any setback, and then suit up on Sunday. If so, he'll be an immediate wide receiver one against the Eagles, and Puka Nakua shouldn't be downgraded too much based on what he's shown through four weeks. Call it the game-winning touchdown in week four, and could have a tougher draw, which makes him more of a wide receiver two by playing on the outside more. So the rate at which the Rams throw probably makes Cup a wide receiver one and Nakua a wide receiver two until further notice. And it'll be interesting to see how things play out with both on the field together. For the Commanders, they have two wideouts that I'm comfortable starting as wide receiver two options in Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin. Again, the Bears are not great defensively. And the early season schedule was expected to be tough for the Commanders. So now both Dotson and McLaurin can be used in lineups confidently as at least low-end wide receiver two flex options, and I think they both get a boost for this week because of the matchup. 
and Dotson in particular should be added if he was somehow dropped in your league. I mentioned it with Ramir Dobbs, that his ownership percentage is below 40%. Dotson, I think, is dipping below 70% based on a quiet start, but he scored the game-tying touchdown against the Eagles to go into overtime, and as shown last season, is someone that can get hot finding the end zone. And then for the upside flex flyers this week, Jordan Addison was held without a catch against Carolina, but the Vikings will need to score points to beat the Chiefs on Sunday, and Addison should be a big part of that as a borderline top 30 option at wide receiver. I think that's the highest rank we've had for him this year. And then on the other side of that matchup, the rotation makes it difficult to predict, but I especially like Rasheed Rice, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Kadarius Toney to be the primary trio for Kansas City. Last week, we saw Sky Moore sort of drift on a third down throw that Mahomes was upset about. But with Minnesota not being good defending the deep ball, MBS is another guy that gets the highest ranking we've had for him this year as our wide receiver 41. And he's a great upside target for those desperate at wide receiver. But I think Rasheed Rice and Tony might be the best targets long term for Mahomes. So I like any of those three guys to maybe get going as a Hail Mary play. And for a season-long investment, I'll mention again, Marvin Mims Jr. made another big play last week in the win over the Bears. And you would think by the end of the year, he might have a bigger impact on the offense with more playing time and could even provide wide receiver two value in Sean Payton's offense. At tight end, we're downgrading Kyle Pitts to outside the top 10 for the first time. The quarterback play in Atlanta is not at a high enough level right now. So even in a plus matchup for Pitts, he's not a must start if you have another option, which I'll mention a couple of them in a second. But Pitts is not 100% right now, which is something Arthur Smith admitted after the loss in London. So I still have hope that he'll eventually break out and become a factor down the stretch. But it might be a good idea to get a backup option at tight end until we see Pitts have a breakout game and become more involved in the offense. So for this week, two of those options. The biggest is Dalton Kincaid versus Jacksonville. We have him as our tight end nine. The Jags allowed 95 yards on six grabs for Jonu Smith last week. So Kincaid can play a similar role with the ability to contribute as both an inline option and split out either in the slot or out wide. So he's someone else that might be dropped in quite a few leagues because of the limited production. But Kincaid is someone that I would pick up as both the start this week and a long-term stash in redraft leagues. And then Cole Komet on Thursday night taking on Washington. He went for a 7.85-2 line in week four. And Chicago getting him more involved coincided with the offense getting back on track. So look for that to continue on a short week as Justin Fields hopefully carries the confidence built into Thursday night. And I'm not sure he's a recommended fantasy option, but Darnell Washington could see more action in the passing game with Pat Fryermuth expected to miss a couple of weeks. And at the very least, we would consider him someone worth investing in in dynasty leagues that could earn more snaps by showing well in a big matchup against the Ravens. So that will conclude this episode. As always, you can find our full rankings and analysis on wolfsports.com. And if you're a Fantasy Conciliary member, 
we'd be happy to answer any questions you might have. Until next time, I'm Dylan Chapin, and this was Fantasy Consigliere Podcast.